You're listening to The Frequency of Creativity with Melinda Harkerley. Welcome everyone to The Frequency of Creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art. I'm your host, Melinda Harkerley, and to see how art can bring beauty and light and life force energy into your life, sign up for my newsletter at melindaparcurly.com. You'll see my latest work, my exhibits, and also get links to the latest podcasts. Today, I am really excited to feature a multi-talented artist, Linda Benton McCloskey. Welcome, Linda. Hi. Thanks so much, Melinda, for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for being on. And Linda, I first saw your work probably about 15 years ago at the Hershey Medical Center in central Pennsylvania, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And when I walked in the lobby, I was immediately struck with your work. And I was almost late to where I had to go because I didn't want to leave because I resonated so deeply with your work. And the title of our podcast today is Ancient Awakenings in Art. And Linda, why I feel that's such a good title for your work and my response to it is That's how I felt when I first saw it 15 years ago. To me, and uh, for those of you that are on YouTube, you could see a sample of Linda's work behind her. But Linda, your work is organic, natural, and there's such a history to it. And I deeply, deeply resonated with your work. Thank you. Thank you. So, Linda, like, tell, like, let's, with your process, like, how have you gotten to this point of accomplishment in your career? Well, I, I started out very young. And one thing I will tell the audience is Melinda told me what the uh, title was going to be of this podcast. She said, Ancient Awakenings. And I said, that's great because I didn't start painting until I was 57. (laughs) That worked out great. And um, I started, I want to give you a little bit of history about myself as a young person. No longer young. I'm in my late 70s. And um, when I was a senior in high school, I graduated way back in 1961. I I, I loved art class. And I mentioned to my uh, art teacher that I wanted to pursue something in the art field as my profession. Mm -hmm. And she immediately took me aside and she said, Linda, I don't think that's a good idea. Hmm. And I immediately thought because of the financial, you know, making a living in art, that's what I thought she was going to say. And what she said to me, she says, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. She said, you have absolutely no talent. Oh my goodness, Linda. And the trouble is 
I believed her. And uh, so I went into uh, administrative work. Instead, I've loved art all my life. My husband and I collect, were collecting art. And we went to museums and I collected books and all of that. But I never picked up a brush. And I was working at the uh, Rite Aid Art Association, uh, Rite Aid uh, headquarters in Camp Hill, Pennsylvania. And one of my colleagues came in with a bunch of uh, paintings under her arm. And she showed me these paintings. And I thought, oh, my God, they're gorgeous. I said, I didn't know you could paint like that. How did you learn to paint? Mm -hmm. And she said, I take lessons on Wednesday night. And she talked me into going to that class. And the first painting I did, it was in watercolor, and it was absolutely horrible. And my, <laughs> I immediately thought she was right. My uh -huh. teacher was right. I have because it was ingrained in here that I had no talent. But I had a great teacher. And that teacher came up to me and said, Linda, just keep coming back. And that's what I did. I kept so Linda, back. I am so sorry because I really want to hear the rest of the story. And I know our listeners do too. And I'm so sorry to interrupt you. And we want to hear the, the continuation of your journey. Okay. And we want our audience to keep coming back as well. So we're going to have to take a short break. But okay. before we do, Linda, can you please share with our listeners where they can find your very accomplished work that stopped me in my tracks. Okay. Um, I have a website and it is www.linda, L-I-N-D-A, Benton, B as in boy, E-N-T-O-N, McCloskey, M-C-C-L-O-S-K-E-Y.com. So it's lindabentonmccloskey.com. I also have a Patreon page. Uh, it's a membership. And you get uh, one video, a tutorial video a week for $6 a month. So that is very reasonable. And that's on patreon.com, Linda slash Linda Benton McCloskey. And I also have over 260 videos on YouTube. So there's three different places you can find me. Of course, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. So great. Thank you, Linda. And listeners, please stay with us as we continue with Linda on her painting journey. So please come back. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. We're back with the frequency of creativity where we are at the intersection of energy and art. We're talking with Linda Benton McCloskey. And Linda, I so rudely had to interrupt you in the middle of your journey. Okay. So you were just saying how your high school art teacher said that you had no talent and she's obviously wrong. And then later on in your career, a colleague convinced you to take art classes, which you did. And that art teacher was very encouraging of you. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And that's been my philosophy. Uh, I did keep coming back. And within two years of taking that first class, I took an early retirement and started painting full time. And today I do a lot of teaching and a lot of teaching of beginners. And I have a gallery here in Harrisburg. And when people come in and they admire my work, uh, they, they always say, oh, I have no talent. I can't even draw a stick figure. And that is a perfect end for me to say, hey, I've been there. I understand. So I enjoy um, teaching beginning artists who don't think they don't have talent, but love art because art, the talent of art can be learned. And the more you do it, the better you get. And I always tell people, if you just take a, a class or sit down to paint once a week, you're not going to really learn anything because you're going to stay in the same place. You have to have passion. And if you have that passion, you'll paint more often. And the more you paint, the better you'll get. I was not that good when I, I began painting, but I, I love to instill in people that don't, don't try to be so hard on yourself. Don't expect don't expect a painting to be a masterpiece every time you pick up a brush. Because believe me, after 20 some years of painting, it I don't get a masterpiece every time I pick up a brush. That's part of the process. It's learning, learning from your stakes, covering up, repainting, and just keep coming back. I love that. And I can attest to your teaching skills because I was a student of yours. And when I saw your work at the Hershey Medical Center, I immediately Googled you and I live several hours away and I got a friend and we came and took lessons from you. And so I can attest to your teaching ability and how encouraging you are. And you are such a wonderful blend of being so accomplished and yet so encouraging. So I just had the most wonderful experience with you. And I just really appreciate it. And look at you today. You're doing great. (laughs) Thank you. And I really like your message too, uh, that you have to keep at it and continually do it. And yeah, it, it looks like a, it can look like a glamorous life from the outside, mm-hmm. but you and I can both attest it's a lot of hard work. Yes, it is. It's a lot of hard work. I'd love to be painting all the time, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, Linda, let's. How did you reach this point of where you are now in your career? And even 15 years ago, where I resonate so deeply, like, would you say your paintings are an extension of yourself and who you are? Oh, absolutely. Um, Emotions paint my paintings. I don't paint. And just, just to give you an example of that, I just finished painting a series of the Ukrainian conflict. I painted six paintings on the war and not depicting uh, realistically the war, but my emotions of the war. And I did not, I had no idea 
what they were going to be like. I had no preconceived idea whatsoever. I just decided I wanted neutral colors because the war is neutral uh, as far as black and white and gray and brown. Mm -hmm. No color. So I decided uh, on my palette, and that's what I used. I used black, white, raw sienna, raw umber, and I think that was it. And uh, I started, and after I finished my first one, I looked back at it, and it was me. So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I'm going to do another one. And then I did another one, and I did another one, and I, I did another one. But as I was painting those, I was crying. Because I was so emotional about what was happening in Ukraine. And uh, at the end of it, I looked at them and said, how did I do that? And I said, I don't know. I didn't paint it. My soul painted it. And I think that's what we as artists need to convey to the, the viewer is your soul, your, your uh, emotion of what's happening within you as you're painting. And when I, my process is I always start out with lines, with mark making. I cover my entire canvas with marks. Hmm. Did you have a question? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I was just like, oh my goodness. I didn't know that. And I would never guess that in looking at your work. Yeah. Well, Well, what that does, and a lot of my students, because most of the time, those lines get covered up. But occasionally they'll show through here and there. And they always say to me, why are you putting down those lines if you're going to cover them up? And my response is, it activates the canvas. It gets me going. Uh, When you look at a blank canvas as an abstract artist, uh, it's a blank canvas. And you have to decide where to start because you're not a realistic painter. You're not looking at a, a landscape and painting it. You have to paint what's within you on that canvas. And that can be very, very intimidating for especially the beginner artist to look at a blank canvas and say, okay, paint an abstract painting. So if you start with lines all over, and they're usually black black lines, sometimes I'll add color lines. And I have a lot of different kinds of mark making tools. I use use, uh, crayons. I use what's called art crayons. I'll, I'll use charcoal. I'll use uh, different kinds of pencils. And, um, and then I will, sm- and they're usually water soluble. So I will smear them up. So then I have kind of the smoky lines all over the canvas. And then I go ahead and start painting. The only thing that I decide in the beginning is what color I'm going to start with. That's it. Linda, uh, this is so amazing because just yesterday I did this for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I've been painting for 15 years and I, that's why I kind of interrupted you and went, oh, because I just intuitively did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I just started, I bought acrylic pens. Mm-hmm. And so I started and then uh, they were water soluble and they were dry and I got a lot of water on the canvas. And I had the same experience yesterday for the first time that you just described. Mm-hmm. And 
I agree with you. When I had the marks on it, especially when they got smeared, I was really able to enter that painting. Right. But I had never done that before. So you're describing a process that I accidentally stumbled on yesterday. That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's the way I teach. I do a lot of teaching. I, do, I teach at the Millworks. I have a gallery at the Millworks in Harrisburg. It's a um, fast, uh, not fa- farm fresh. <laughs> I was going to say fast food. It's not fast food. <laughs> it's a farm to table organic restaurant. Mm. Delicious, delicious food. And it's all local food. And um, it, I mean, it's so fresh that the Millworks doesn't have a freezer. Everything is fresh. I mean, and they even make, they go down to even making their own uh, mustard and pickles and stuff like that. Everything is made fresh. And in that building, and it's an old historic building, uh, right straight across the street from the Broad Street Market in Harrisburg. It's a very old building. It used to be a mill works. That's Mm -hmm. what they did there. It was a a big lumber uh, warehouse. And they turned it into this um, farm-to-table organic restaurant. And they have uh, we have 18 artist studios there, hmm. a total of 32 artists. So it's a great place to visit when you come to uh, Harrisburg. And I do a lot of teaching there. We have a classroom, and a lot of the other artists teach there as well. So if you're ever in Harrisburg, I suggest you stop mm-hmm. at the Mill. My gallery is there, and I have a studio there. Mm-hmm. I used to do 100% of my painting at the Millworks, but when the pandemic hit and everything was on lockdown, I converted my basement into a studio, and it's a walkout basement with windows, so it's perfect. I have the entire basement as my studio, and I would take you for a tour, but it's such a mess, I would be embarrassed. <laughs> I'm I'm what's known as a very messy painter, and everybody knows it. So, <laughs> first tour, but I would be embarrassed. So I'm not going to do that. But this is where I've been painting for the last year and a half, two years, mm-hmm. and I'm, I st- still do a tiny little bit of painting in in there, but not as often. So, so uh, that's Linda, where my. So what do you to achieve this? soul level artwork how do you get to that point of this deep connection and deep reflection of your work like how do you get to that point well I had a a few years ago I'm going to say about maybe 10 12 14 years ago, I had, I came across a teacher by the name of Stephen Amony, A-I-M-O-N-E, and you can look him up uh, on the web. He is a, to me, he's the best teacher that I have ever had. And he told a story one time about layers. And he said, when you walk into, and I I tell the same story to my uh, students, when you walk into a forest, you don't see every tree at the same size, at the same age, and everything's alike, the same. What you see is you see sprouting trees, you see dead trees, you see rotting trees, 
you see trees in, in different uh, years of growth. You'll see short, long, different colors. And how would that forest look if you walked into that forest and everything was exactly the same? Hmm. So that really resonated with me. So what he taught me is to layer. So as I mentioned earlier, I, I start my process with, with line work. And then I'll add a layer of paint. Then I'll scrape some of the paint off. Then I'll do more line work. And then I'll do more painting. And But every time I put a new layer of paint down, I let some of the old layers show through. So what happens is that you have layers and layers and layers of paint with a, a lot of depth. So that is how I achieve that. Sometimes I'll add a collage and sometimes I don't. I used to be, I used to teach collage because I love collage. I love to look at paintings of collage. As, but I'm, I rarely put a piece in now because I want it to be me. And to, for it to be me, is ha it has to have the layers of history of how I was feeling at the time. So occasionally I'll use collage, but not often. So that's that story. That's how I came about using layers. And no matter what medium I'm using, I will do that in the different layers as well, whether it's acrylic or cold wax or pastel or oil or watercolor has to have layers. So Linda, when you're talking about all of these layers and then that brings up history and you know the feeling of like a really ancient history kind of feeling and a real depth to it. Like how many layers are we talking about? And I know it can vary from each painting, but are we talking like five or six layers? Are we talking like 20 layers or it can really vary? It just depends on how well the painting progresses. I mean, I've already had 10 layers on because I wasn't happy with it. And mm -hmm. I just keep going until I'm happy. How do you know when you're happy? When I look at it from a distance and it brings a smile to my face. Mm -hmm. And I, I also, another way you can tell, and other artists I tell this, when you're looking at a painting and you think you're done, but you say, oh, I don't know if I'm done or not. Uh, a lot of artists go in and do these little teeny tiny little details, okay? And I always say, stop, stand back. If you can't see that little detail that you did on that canvas from standing maybe six feet away, don't put it in. It's done. If you can't see a difference, six feet away, stop. Now, occasionally, I will put maybe a surprise color in here and there with maybe a colored pencil because I do want the, uh, the viewer to be able to look at it from a distance, maybe six, 10 feet mm -hmm. and enjoy the painting. But then I want them to come close and see other things that they couldn't see way back there. And that happens with the layers. Linda, how do you decide what color you're going to use? Because there are all kinds of classes and, you know, the color wheel and complementary colors. And do you right. use any of that or is it strictly intuitive? Most of the time, 
I'm going to say it's intuitive as far as the first color, but I usually will choose three colors. After my first color, I'll choose two other colors, and usually they're complementary. Okay, okay, usually. Um, and maybe separated by one color, um, like a triad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I prepare my palette after I've put that first color down. And what I do is I'll make, I'll make a pal of white paint and a pal of black. And then I'll make a light gray and a dark gray. So I have white, light gray, dark gray, and black. And then that first color I used, I'll put it down on my palette and I'll put some white in it. I'll put some light gray into it. I'll put some dark gray into it and I'll put some black into it. And you would be shocked at what happens to those colors. Then I choose my second color and I'll do the exact same thing. I'll put the light gray into it, the white, light gray, dark gray, and black. Hmm. And then I'll choose the third color and I'll go through that same process again. So I, so now I have four rows of color. I have my neutrals on the top, my first color, my second color, and my third color. Then my fourth line is a little bit color from line two, three, and four. In other words, that fourth, that last line of colors become, is becoming my master color. So I'll take a little bit of the first color, a little bit of the second, a little bit of the third, and then that will be my fourth color. And then I'll have a pile of that. And then I add white to that, gray to that, and then black to that. So then your your colors become harmonious because everything is mixed together and everything blends beautifully. So that, and I will do that. I'm going to say 95% of my paintings, I will make my, my color palette up. And those are the colors I use. Now, occasionally at the end, if I need a spark of color, I'll, I'll go outside of that palette, and maybe put some teal on the painting or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's how I choose my colors. And that's how I prepare my color palette. And that works for me because then you don't have, all of your colors are harmonious together on the painting. It works for me. And they're all integrated. And Linda, listening to you, um, you know, and unfortunately I see the completed painting. Mm -hmm. So it's just so interesting to hear this structured process that you go through that results in an abstract, seemingly random painting that's not random at all. And the reason it is successful is because it has this structure and the structured color palette to it. Right, right. And there's structure, but what's nice about doing it that way is that as I'm painting, I don't have to stop and mix paint. Mm -hmm. It's right in front of me. And -hmm. I don't have to stop and think, what color should I use? It's right in front of me. And if I run out of a particular color, I know exactly how to make it. Mm. I know exactly how to make it. So uh, it works. And my students, I think that is one of the lessons that my students love the most is how to mix their color. Um, 
I am ready to take a lesson with you <laughs> to learn that process. Yeah. Because I can really, in looking at work, I can see how successful that is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you. And then, Linda, also, you work in so many mediums. You mm -hmm. work in, in on caustic, you work in cold wax, you work in pastels, you work in acrylics, you work in oils. You have such a diverse array of work. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, I started out as a realist painter in watercolor. I got bored with it. So, and then I went to acrylic realism and I went to oil realism, but I wasn't showing what's inside in these paintings. I was copying, you know, yes, you can move a tree here and there. You can put a bush in where there's no bush, but I was still copying. So I ended up taking a collage class at the York Art Association nearby. And it was like a boomerang into abstraction. And um, so I painted abstractly for quite a while, just in acrylic. And then um, I decided to go into, I took a, I took Rebecca Kroll's first cold wax class that she did. I call her the guru of cold wax. Mm -hmm. And I've taken maybe seven master classes from uh, Rebecca in cold wax. And so I teach cold wax and oil both painting abstractly and impressionistic landscapes. I teach pastel, abstract, and impressionistic landscapes, and encaustic, and I do um, watercolor now. I found someone who got me back into watercolor, and I enjoy going from medium to medium. Let's say I've been painting acrylic for a while. And I have been, you know, after a while, when you paint in a, in a certain medium, uh, you lose that creativity. At least I do. I lose the spark that's needed. So what I'll do is I'll change mediums. I'll go to cold wax. Then all of a sudden, all of my energy is back. And then when I get, you know, I'll do a few of those and maybe I'll flip over and do some pastels or I'll do an oil or I'll do a watercolor. And I enjoy that. And that's what keeps me fresh. I hope that makes sense. It, it makes total sense. And listeners, if you go on Linda's website, you'll see the freshness and the variety of her work. And Linda, um, we're coming close to closing the podcast up. And I want to go back to something that I really loved hearing you say that you want to be you. Right. And in a previous podcast, we had on Renee Stout, who is in the Met, she's in the National Gallery, and she's a brilliant African American artist. Mm -hmm. And she goes back, and she's never been to Africa, but she goes back to her roots. And she always thought she wanted to be a painter. And now, and I don't know, she um, creates what she calls tableaus. Mm -hmm. And they're not installations. And they're not sculpture. They're her own creation. Mm -hmm. And she said when she became herself in her work, 
that's when her career really took off. And I feel that's kind of the same, what you're saying as well. You have to be you. Uh, I, I've been in several galleries and they, they want wanted just abstract work or they just want acrylic. Well, that's not me because I love it all. And I have to be able to do it all. And I have to be true to myself. So I paint in all these different mediums. Most of my paintings are non-objective. Some are more ob- abstract where you can relate something in that painting. Uh, and I also do impressionistic landscapes because I love nature. I love being in the woods. I love hiking. I love nature. So I make landscapes as well. And they didn't want any of that. So I pulled out of all my galleries and now I sell strictly from my website and strictly at the millworks. There you'll see everything because a lot of people come into the, into the studio at the gallery and say, well, who did this work? Well, who did this work? Well, that's mine. You do both this and that. Yes, because that's me. And I will not limit myself because someone tells me to do so. You have to be true to yourself. I love that. And I also love on your website, on your old website, when I first uh, was introduced to you, you had a very long Vita. You have numerous awards, numerous, um, you know, elected positions in different art, like pastel or excuse me, (laughs) different Mm -hmm. societies. And I can't quote them exactly. Because you've taken that all off of your website. So you don't even have all of your awards, which are very lengthy, and all of your accomplishments, they're not on your website anymore. And I love what you, when I ask you about that, I loved what you said. Yeah, I I let the work speak for itself. I I no longer enter any uh, contests. I have my signature membership in many different organizations. I even have a Nautilus, which is the highest in, uh, in one of them. Um, but it's not important to me anymore. I want my art to speak for itself. I don't want awards behind me. I want you to look at my painting and say, I love that. And it doesn't matter how many awards that I've received. If you don't like it, you don't like it. So to me, I mean, it's wonderful to have. When I first started out, it was very important for me to get established. And I tell artists when they're starting out, go for the awards, go for the contests. But after you have confidence in yourself, they're no longer important. So I don't put them up anymore. And I did see your artwork and I love it. And that's why you're on the show. And that's why I took lessons from you. So. Congratulations on a very accomplished career. Thank you, Melinda. I appreciate it. And before um, we leave, can you please share with our listeners one more time where they can find you? Okay. I'm always listed under Linda Benton McCloskey. I have uh, YouTube. I have the videos on YouTube. I I have uh, Facebook, Linda Benton McCloskey Art, and Instagram is L. Benton McCloskey on excuse me on Instagram. I have patreon.com and that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Linda Benton. And that is a membership. I have two levels. I have a six dollar a month 
and it's not a week, it's a month. You get four tutorial paintings, videos for me a month. Then I also have a mentorship that uh, you can sign up for, and that's on Patreon. Then I have uh, my website, which is uh, lindabentonmccloskey.com. And I teach a lot of classes on Zoom. I have some listed now on my website. I teach uh, classes at the Millworks. I travel. Um, Next month, I'm going to teach in York, Pennsylvania. And the Hilton uh, Art League just called me. I'm going down to Hilton Head in August, and I'm teaching cold wax down there. So I, I do... I try to limit my travel, travel workshops, maybe two a year, because I'm getting up there, shall we say, in age. And so I teach mainly here in the Harrisburg area or on Zoom. Well, you would never know in your words, you're getting up there in age by your work, by your passion, by your vitality. And you are an alive woman. And I'm so proud to feature you on the podcast. And I thank you very much for the opportunity, Melinda. And you look as good as you did 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you, listeners, for being with us on the frequency of creativity, where we are at the intersection of energy and art. And take Linda's advice and be authentically and wholly who you are. Right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.